Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Chris Marlowe, who is an author, speaker, and founder of Help One Now. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondag. And thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Guys Like Us podcast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. It is so great to have you on today. Uh, If you've been tuning in in the past, thank you for your continued support. It means so much. And in honor of today's episode, where we discuss a bit more on the power of word of mouth, if you would uh, share this this, this podcast, if you've tuned in before to two or three friends, that would be fantastic to help spread the word um, and, and have this message reach many others. In today's conversation, I speak with Chris Marlowe, who is an author, speaker, and founder of Help One Now. I'm really excited for this episode today. Um, Chris has an amazing story of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to save it for now and I'll, I'll let Chris explain. But his organization is mission is to empower families in developing countries through high capacity local leaders with proven solutions to end extreme poverty. Um, we talk through this this organization and which is uh, is foundational in meeting basic human needs um, and for serving the common good. He talks about. Uh, some of, some of the initial hurdles to thinking about something so big as as extreme poverty and breaking it down into sizable components. Um, he talks through his holistic approach that he takes and empowering local leaders um, to make a difference um, by giving them the tools that they need to excel um, as entrepreneurs uh, and, and build sustainable ventures. We discuss a bit more of the some of the, the problems um, or the challenges that he sees, um, and for others, this is an important part to, uh, to to think through what you might foresee in the future, um, and to be a smart planner. Um, and then he just took, discusses some practical steps uh, to and how to make a difference. Um, we we discuss a whole lot in this episode. Um, he is extremely thorough in in his answers and responses, um, and know that this will be a value um, to all listeners. So thank you so much, and without further ado, here's my conversation with Chris. Chris, thanks so much for joining me and the guys like this podcast. Hey Tyler, looking forward to hanging with you all today. Excited to be here, and can't wait to chat and um, share the story of Help One Now and connect with your community. Thank you so much. Um, very, very much looking forward to it, and um, just would love to love to dive right in and uh, and just kind of get into where you're spending a lot of your time. I'm sure with Help One now. Um, so I just want to hear a bit more about kind of what compelled you and, and moved you to to start the Help One Now organization, and then that'll you know hopefully transition and we can talk more about what what you guys actually do. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, hopefully this you know. Many of the listeners can relate to this, but I felt like for for about five or six years, I felt like God was trying to um, encourage me slowly um, to probably spend more time 
understanding the suffering that's taking place in the world. And I don't think that's because it was a special calling or just a specific thing. I think it's just part of the narrative of what it means to be a disciple. And loving our neighbor, of course, means to literally love our neighbor and our cities and our communities that we live in and do life in every day. Uh, but also uh, this, this real reality of much of the suffering that takes place in the world and how, you know, one of the things I love about being a Christian is we're part of this global family called the church, and we get a chance to love each other and encourage and engage each other. Um, but like many of us, I, I spent five years making a whole lot of excuses. I was a busy pastor, father, um, had plenty going on, and I just kept like trying to silence this voice, this still small voice in my soul and my spirit. And eventually I ended up um, giving in um, to God's um, long pursuit of trying to help me become an obedient disciple. And um, I ended up taking a trip to South Africa, Zimbabwe. A good friend of mine was living there. And um, I spent time with the local church and those communities and really um, experienced global extreme poverty for the first time. One of the key linchpin moments is I met a starving kid at a gas station. And it was in this moment that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is why God was encouraging me um, to... Um, kind of, you know, focus on not only my own community, but also other parts of the world that's hurting. And that meeting that young kid at that gas station um, was kind of what compelled me um, to eventually, you know, move from being a local church pastor into running a nonprofit that does work all over the world. Mm. Fantastic. Um, such a great story. And uh, it, it's so it's so cool kind of how, you know, one of these moments can really have a, a dramatic and drastic uh, impact on your life and 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 cause you to you know change course a little bit or maybe kind of live into um, kind of a latent calling that you uh, can you know that is going to make a huge make a huge difference and impact. Um, so I so I see your mission to empower families in developing countries through high capacity local leaders with proven solutions to end extreme poverty. Love the mission statement and um, obviously is 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 quite crucial for for meeting just basic human needs. Um, and I know for, you know, for myself and I'm sure for a lot of other people, when you, when you look at these, such a big issue uh, of, of extreme poverty, it can kind of seem a little bit daunting or seem a little bit overwhelming um, at first, yeah. um, especially if you're, you know, when you, you go overseas and you're not really sure how you can make an impact or a difference. How did you yep. kind of tell me a bit more about your story um, of how you kind of broke that down and, said, you know what, there actually is some change that I can make, and, and here's how I can start. Yeah, it's fascinating, and you're totally right. Like when I, I met this kid at this gas station, and it was a moment, and I think here's here's what I hear from you know Christians all the time. Like We kind of want to live this epic like life and this adventurous calling, and we're always asking these questions, like I want more of God, or you know, I want to live you know, fully committed, kind of all these like... Mm -hmm keywords that we use but one of the things I learned through that experience was we got to position ourselves to be used by God and one of the ways we do that is we get outside of our comfort zones and um, we get to a place to where we really do have to rely on God to show up but when but we also I think what scares a lot of us is we don't really we still want to control our outcomes and so one of the things I learned about being in Zimbabwe is I was completely out of control of everything and I really did have to when I met this kid it just was such a a crushing moment for me to realize one I really was disobedient for five years and like being disobedient to God's not a real negative thing in one hand like 
God's patient and loving and like part of, of following Christ is he is our, he, he mentors us through um, what it means to mature um, as, as disciples. And so mm. it, it sounds more negative, but God was trying to position me um, to be in this moment where I could be obedient to what he was calling me as an individual to do. Hmm. And um, then I was able to kind of lean into that moment and and kind of and learn also from wow this is God had a better way for me than my own way and so hmm. a little bit of that was me just really realized like if I would have chose my own route it would have been completely different than where I'm at but my life would have been a life less lived uh, really for the glory of God and so when hmm. we came back from you know that trip I really did um, have to like balance and wrestle with. All of the issues of extreme poverty is nothing I can solve. But mm. so I had a whole bunch of mentors. I had a community of amazing people. I sought out folks who have been doing this kind of work a lot longer than me to get wisdom from them. Mm. And one of the things they told me again and again and again was like, hey, keep this thing simple and stay focused on a few powerful things that you can do. And so there were 33 kids um, in Zimbabwe that my local Zimbabwe friend, John Orpa, were taking care of. So my first year, my whole question was like, how do I just help these 33 kids? There's a hundred, you know, hundred over a hundred million orphans in the world at the mm -hmm. time, and I can't help a hundred million orphans. But can I and the community that I was involved in when I was living in Austin? Can we help these 33 kids? And so, I think as we kind of wrestle with some of the larger issues of the world, of our life, of our calling, one of the best ways of we can lean in and begin to um, make movement is just to simplify like what's the next best step that I need mm -hmm. to take and for me at that time it was 33 kids mm -hmm. and now you know we care for over 200,000 people and so if I would have thought about 200,000 people 10 years ago I would have been overwhelmed but those 33 kids really helped us uh, begin to shape the vision and mission of help one now mm -hmm. awesome um, so so through your uh, mission statement and, and a lot of the work that you're kind of doing personally is really the, the word I'm, I'm hearing is empower. Um, so I want to break, I want to break that down a little bit. Um, in like, I mean, even seeing kind of the, you know, by numbers, if you want to look at it by numbers of from, from 33 to, um, to 200,000, that requires some kind of, some kind of ingredient, uh, in, or, in order to kind of get yeah. to that, to that, uh, that type of, that type of, you know, I guess volume or scale. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, I'm sure that empowering kind of has, uh, is part of that, that, that's that special sauce. We'll, we can call it, but yeah. can, can you kind of explain, uh, what empowering is, uh, to, uh, to the organization and how, you know, how we can, yeah. how, how, how we can be empowered as individuals? Yeah. It's fascinating to me. I think, you know, like even if you go back to, Jesus, he literally spent time with the disciples to empower them to eventually live without Jesus, right? To live with the power of the Holy Spirit um, and not Jesus in the flesh. And so if you, you look at even that model, um, discipleship is basically empowering others to live a good life, to live an obedient life. And mm -hmm. so one of the things that I did in that year after I came back from um, my first trip to Zimbabwe and South Africa is I just spent a year researching and listening and learning and not trying to go too fast, um, but really trying to slow down and say, hey, what's a, what's, what's a piece of the puzzle that I can help um, fulfill? Like, you know, and I think that's one of the best parts of the kingdom. We're not all supposed to do everything. And so what's the thing that I can do to add value to everyone? Um, all the other beautiful nonprofits do an amazing work. Um, and so 
part of that was, and then there was a tension and a frustration, <clears throat> and the angst was everywhere I, I would go around the world, I would always see outsiders leading what I thought could only be an insider's job. It could only be the locals who innovate and create and create long-term sustainability. And that was many of the most brilliant people in the world, but they weren't the leaders in their community. Um, it was always some nonprofit and some other person from another country calling the shots. And I thought, mm-hmm. this is just, there's something wrong with this. And so um, we just set up our model to say, Help One Now as an organization, we want to empower high capacity local leaders, the most brilliant men and women doing the best possible work. But we just don't want them to do the work alone. We want them to feel like they have a community around the world that's going to support the work. But we want them to be the key leaders, calling shots, um, creating the strategy, making an impact in their community. And when we begin to meet these brilliant leaders around the world, and we begin to say, hey, we want you to lead. What does that look like? And they were shocked by it because they had never been asked to be the leader. They had always been asked to like do the work of someone else and so of another organization or another nonprofit. And we just we saw some real innovation and some real opportunity to to really trust these brilliant people around mm-hmm. the world. And the reason we're able to, with a small staff stateside, um, create a large impact is because we we literally have empowered, you know, these brilliant folks so they can create the best fruit possible around the world. It's something that we're proud of, and it's the ethos of our organization. Mm. And um, we think it's going to be the best way to do the most good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the, the, a lot of really fascinating information. And um, speaking on local leaders, uh, I think that's really important. And kind of the, the, the relationship that, you know, a small team based in the United States has on um, has on these different communities, I, I'm sure, is quite important. And so, kind of, how do you think through the the the, the vehicle of providing information and providing the tools, um, while also kind of allowing these people to to step in and to flourish and to grow, um, so that they can then kind of multiply and and distribute. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think you know what I learned back then was. You know, one of my favorite books is a book by Ryan Holiday called Ego is Your Enemy. The Enemy. And one of the things that was fascinating about that was it's so, like, I don't want to, I could rabbit show here, but I think it's important. For some reason, when the church in the West goes around the world, we automatically think we should be leading every conversation and making every decision. Mm. Um, Because... We, we have some we have education we have finances we're typically once funding a lot of things hmm. and I think a lot of it was it was like it's easy for our ego to get in the way and for us to realize like if we actually want to make the greatest impact we have to understand the the, the global church is doing some of the most amazing work I mean they're so far advanced in so many mm-hmm. areas of life and their ability to trust God is is insane and so what we realize is like we can learn so much from one another from having a mutual relationship where I'm not ahead or behind, mm. but we're mutually connected and we're trying to fulfill different roles in the story to mm. make the greatest impact and advance the most good for the kingdom. And it was just, and what happened with that is it brought so much dignity to our local communities and their leaders. They didn't see us as someone coming in and pulling power plays and saying, if you do this, we'll give you X amount of money. They saw us coming in as, as humble co-partners who listened and who uh, asked a lot of questions mm. and who said, okay, how do we move this forward together? Um, and so they're going to go do this. We're going to go do that. 
And then we bring in, you know, our donor base, our donor community is the third piece of the puzzle. And you create this powerful team um, who, just like the body of Christ, we all have different functions right. that we're living out. But ultimately, um, for me, what was most important isn't, isn't for us to care for X amount of people or to build mm. all these projects. It was for the people we were partnering with to feel good about themselves and to have dignity and to see themselves as, um, you know, co-partners in God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you live in poverty and you necessarily don't have the advanced communities um, like what I get to live in, um, it's often for them to see themselves as second-class citizens. And right. we're like, no way, man. You need to teach us more than we need to yeah. teach you because you're living out this amazing faith um, in some of the hardest circumstances. And so right. and I can tell you a story. I remember um, real quick, I was in Egypt speaking at a church that had just been bombed um, by Al-Qaeda. I mean, people had just died. Um, it was pretty crazy, to be quite frank. And I'm speaking you know, to the Egyptian church, and I'm like, I don't even know what to say to these people. Their faith is so amazing and so strong. And, and I'm like, you guys need to teach me how to have this kind of faith to where your life is on the line mm. just by showing up to a gathering on a Sunday morning where half the time I don't want to go to church because I'm being lazy or I don't want to sit still for 45 minutes or an hour, which is crazy. Um, and so I remember talking to the pastor. I'm like, can you teach me what it means to be a disciple? And he began to cry. Um, right after this church service, he's like, no one's, no white person has ever asked me that question. Um, and it was just this fascinating moment mm. for me to realize, like, by me asking that question, I was able to give, to empower him and to have dignity for him and for him to realize he's doing amazing work for the kingdom mm. and he can teach me what it means to be a better disciple. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, 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 I do agree. And I think there's, a, there's incredible value uh, of having this, you know, this posture of kind of this humility and this, um, and just this uh, yearning for understanding and for learning that you don't always have all the right answers. Um, yeah, at the same time, you know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of areas where, you know, Western innovations or Christianity has, provided a lot of great things to say and it's it's worth it's worth bringing those over and it's worth sharing good Absolutely. good yep. so, good solutions that are proven to to make a huge impact um, but at the same time it's it's there's this kind of this this tension of of responding and and hearing the 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 contextual needs of the communities and being able to um, to address those um, really with with integrity yeah, and it's all about posture, right? When you when you have the right posture and you recognize Jesus is the hero of the story and we're all just servants. Doesn't yeah. matter how much money we have or education or where we're from, we're just all servants when it's all said and done. And together, mm. um, when we serve each other, we serve the kingdom, then we're able to serve the local community and it creates this really beautiful mosaic of, mm. of kind of what Christianity is like. And it's not we see this all throughout scripture. This is how people lived um, together, even when you know Peter and Paul began to um, journey together, and there was this, this tension between cultures and different, you know, expectations of one another. But they were able to battle through um, those differences and learn together um, what it means to be a better disciple. Hmm. Absolutely, and and so I, I was looking into your your approaches that you take, and just this this holistic approach um, through you know through business launch, education healthcare and community care you're kind of the four prongs that you 
that you look yeah. at. And as you mentioned, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's magnifying and it's really kind of bringing out all the colors of the body of Christ. Um, when you're able to, to pull together different people with their different giftings and, and passions and, um, and align those together. How, um, can you, can you elaborate a bit more into this, this kind of, this approach that you're taking and, um, kind of how it's, I, I, I assume it's been sustainable if you've, if you've been able to, you know, to, to grow and to expand into so many different, into different locations. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I think one of the, you know, when you, you have to make certain decisions. And so a lot of organizations will say, Hey, we're just going to go try and solve one key powerful problem. We're going to build schools, water wells, plant churches. Um, and one of the things that we realized is the type of leaders that we were serving are part with are really their movement leaders they create so much change in in the church world in the business world in the political world they just the way they empower their own communities is so important so we recognize every community around the world really needs the same four pillars right we all need jobs we all need education we all need health care and we all need we call it community care because it's spiritual development. Mm. It's, it's just, it's, it's what does it mean to have health, to be healthy spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and so, and we recognize the people who are a part of Help One Now who are giving and taking trips, they all have these gifts, talents, passion, and resources mm. in each one of these streams. And so we begin to say, hey, what, what if we connected people's gift sets in our community to help basically serve um, our partners around the world? And so we have doctors going down not just to do short-term um, like clinic-type work, um, but we have doctors going down to train other healthcare officials or mm-hmm. other healthcare providers. So we have teachers training teachers. We have trauma counselors training folks on how to deal with trauma. Um, and, of course, we have so many entrepreneurs in our communities. Um, and so we have a lot of people on the entrepreneurial side of things. And so the, the most important piece of the puzzle is how do we empower 100,000 families um, in the next 10 years, which will impact two to five million people. Mm. And that basically would begin to help ensure there's long-term sustainability. And one of those is like if, if folks aren't able to create their own income stream, then they always have to rely on an outsider. Mm. Uh, and that's just not healthy. It's not going to bring dignity. Mm. It's not going to help people feel good about themselves. And so really helping helping entrepreneur, helping local folks, local entrepreneurs start businesses is a huge passion of ours. And so we're committed to helping, you know, 50,000 businesses, um, entrepreneurs get started um, in the next 10 years, which we know will make such a huge impact. And what we're seeing with that now is folks are starting businesses and they don't need their kid in the sponsorship program anymore. Mm. And they're actually able to even help other kids go to school. And so the generosity in the local community is becoming so amazing to watch because they actually have the ability um, to provide for their own community Whereas before they had to rely on an outside organization to come in with the resources to move the needle forward. Um, and so we just take a very holistic approach um, to the community. And then we ask our donor community, you know, to, to kind of fill those gaps. And mm-hmm. it's been really beautiful to see people thrive and flourish. And now, for the most part, they don't even need help one now anymore. They're doing their own thing, um, creating businesses, creating wealth. And they're able to make an impact in their own community without our help. And that was always the goal. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so definitely empowering entrepreneurs to, to start up their own ventures and uh, for just the, the longevity of their own sustainability. How I'm sure that there's a lot of challenges in in 
in developing countries, I'd say in particular with kind of market entry and some of the 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 restrictions for businesses um, and for um, and for uh, entrepreneurship, um, but also kind of how how the political atmosphere can play into it as well. Have you? What have been some some of the biggest challenges or problems that you've that you've run into on that front? Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, every in all the communities that we serve in are what you would consider the bottom billion when it comes to extreme poverty. So there, are, you know, places like Haiti or Uganda, um, <clears throat> Malawi. Yeah. You know, there, there, you know, there's a lot of political instability in these communities. We literally partner with the government in every one of our communities because we want to be able to influence all of those scenarios mm. and no matter what happens that we can't control we want to be able to have enough relationship and friendship um, built into that that we can continue to move the needle forward um, no matter what happens and so the last two or three years the political instability in Haiti or I mean it's just been unbelievable and yet the work of helping now continues to flourish mm. um, we just launched a business program with a hundred and 25 Haitian entrepreneurs two weeks ago why the country is literally falling apart and so a little bit of that is understanding our local leaders are yeah. incredibly um, thoughtful and they're really well connected and they're able to really have those key conversations that I could yeah. never have because I'm an outsider kind of with the powers that be yeah. and so and then when it comes to the business launch program it's 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 typically there's so much opportunity to create some sense of wealth and so there's definitely the larger scale programs where we're investing fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars into a, a like a mid-sized business. But for the most part, we invest a thousand dollars to help an entrepreneur start something really small and simple, but very powerful. And so, what we've seen is, you know, we'll help. We helped a lady start a coffee shop, and then she took the coffee shop and she opened up a restaurant, and then for lunch, and then she opened up. Um, dinner at a restaurant and then she hired four or five employees and then she took the wealth of that and mm -hmm. created a storefront and then took the storefront and bought a house and in the back of her house she built on uh, another house that she rented out to create wealth um, and that wealth ended up um, going into a college fund to send her kids to school on her own dime without anyone else's help and six wow. years earlier when we met her her two kids were homeless in a field and in six years, her life was completely transformed, wow. all because we helped her start with a thousand U.S. dollars start a coffee shop, because that's what she was good at. And yeah. so um, she went from making an average of a dollar twenty a day to about thirty-two dollars a day. And most of our entrepreneurs will go from making a dollar a day to twelve, fifteen, eighteen dollars a day. Most of all of our communities. That is the opportunity that's right in front of everyone. Um, what they don't usually have is a very simple um, capital to start something. Yeah, yeah. And then we, we take them through a two-year mentor program um, before they launch and after they launch. So that way they have support, um, how to run finances, how to do marketing, you know, how to hire, all these types of things. It's all locally led by our local you know, Ethiopian, Ugandan, uh, Haitian, all of our leaders. And so they understand the market. They understand the challenges. They understand, and most of our leaders that we partner with are all business savvy. Um, yeah. We think that's very important to to have spiritual leaders who are also really good in other domains, um, so we can have influence in those domains. And so it's been it's worked amazing, and we're super thankful for it. We're just um, we're just kind of watching like some amazing work happen, all because of a thousand dollar grant that we give these entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. 
And so, and, and that's something I wanted, wanted to touch on is just the kind of the, I guess, the barriers to entry or just the, in, in terms of sheer capital, um, it, it, it sounds like it really doesn't make, doesn't take, take a lot to make a real impact, a thousand dollars, which I, I think by U.S. standards for starting a business is really not that much. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's quite amazing. And I, I mean, I know a lot of other organizations is, I think it's a Grameen Bank or other ones in, in India are starting a lot of these, just these micro microfinance organizations that just yeah. are starting with such a small amount. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's really, it, it's really impressive to see how um, those are being flipped into, you know, tenfold, fiftyfold, hundredfold, and are uh, are really um, just showing that what you can do with so little, um, and, and how transformative that is. Yeah, I think you know the reason I wrote the book, you know, doing good is simple, is because like it's you know back to your one of your first questions when we started, it's so overwhelming to think about extreme poverty, right? Like as Americans, we're so busy, we're so we're so distracted, we have so many demands on our own life. And it's just, you know, just, there's just a lot going on everywhere right now. A lot, and we have a lot of needs in our own country that Mm -hmm. really matter um, Mm -hmm. to us. And so how do we help make the greatest impact, but keep it very simple and powerful? And that was always been kind of the ethos. So Mm -hmm. when we first started helping now, it was 2009, the economy was falling apart and we were trying to figure out how to raise money. We were connected to influencers who had large followings but folks didn't know really how to like give generously in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so we started this simple movement for three or four years called Garage Sale for Orphans. And so we just asked people, this is how we cared for the first 33 kids. Mm-hmm. Um, my family just do a big garage sale party. And we sent the money and it took it took care of those 33 kids for about three months yeah. for their food. These kids were eating every other day just to stay alive. And so um, there are simple, powerful ways that we can do good and make a difference in the world. And you know, we are we are very fortunate to have a lot of influencers, a lot of pro athletes, a lot of, of people involved. But the majority of our tribe still, it's, it really is everyday people who you know who have a certain level of income that they can contribute. And we want to take that um, contribution and make the biggest impact possible. So, but over three or four years, we raised almost a million dollars in people throwing garage sale parties because everyone's like. I can get I can get rid of the extra stuff I have and repurpose it to do good. Mm. And at the time, that rescued about 120 kids from trafficking in Haiti. Mm. And now those kids are thriving and flourishing, and um, their transformation has been dramatic. And that's because people we found a way to make a difference, um, other than just saying, "Hey, can you write a check?" And so. Right. Help One Now is pretty committed to constantly finding creative ways for people to get involved. Yeah. Um, sometimes that's folks writing big checks. Other times that's folks, you know, throwing a garage sale party and donating the proceeds. Together, it makes a big difference. Yeah, and that's that's actually exactly where I want to, to go. Um, and, and just uh, thank you for sharing kind of just a few practical ways um, that people can get that can get involved. Is there? Do you have any other recommendations for? people who want to to make a difference in their community um kind of speaking on a few of the different creative ways that you that your organization is thinking through yeah i think here's what i tell people all the time it's uh, like you do not make a difference by accident right there has to be some intention that comes with it and so even as we do this podcast in mid-december and we're thinking about you know, 2020 goals and our dreams and our passions. And we plan out everything 
typically, right? We're planning out our health, our finances, our vacations, um, our calendars. Um, but sometimes one thing we don't plan out is maybe one of the most important things that we need to plan out. And that's how do we plan on making a difference? Mm. And so typically we make a difference to what we call the impact matrix. It's our gifts, talents, passions, and resources. Gifts are something that God has given you. Mm. Talents is something that you've earned on your own. If you're a musician or if you're a financial advisor or, you know, you've got an education and you've learned a skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, our passions, what keeps us awake at night? Like if you, you have to really care about these things, local or global, like you, it's something that there's an angst that you have in your spirit. That's probably a calling and God wants you to engage in that angst because you're going to throw your weight and your, you know, your passion towards that. And then our resources is really our time, the people we know and our, our bank accounts, the, the money that we can be generous with. And so what I encourage everyone to do is um, if we want to make the greatest impact we have to automate our giving just like we do with spotify spotify or netflix right when we want entertainment we open up netflix when we want spotify we want to hear music um and we pay 10 12 14 bucks a month for that find orgs that you love and you care for and you know they're doing good work do 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 diligence wow Wow, that was hard um (laughs) but if if you could trust the org automate your giving be committed to those orgs you know, as long as you can, because that's going to be the way you make the greatest impact. And then try to figure out in your calendar, like, are you going to volunteer? And like, add that to your calendar. If it doesn't get added to your calendar, there's a good chance the business of life will will get in the way. And so, for anyone to say, hey, I'm going to volunteer with this organization four times a year, um, but I'm going to put that in my calendar. I'm going to be committed to that. And then you look back at that year and you recognize, like, we were able to give a certain amount of cash. We were able to volunteer and then the other one and this is really important most folks who give to help one now don't give because I asked them or we asked them they give because a friend said hey here's a great nonprofit that we love and trust you should get involved and the power of advocacy is so important mm-hmm. to anyone who's doing good any organizations that are on the front line the only way we move the needle forward is when others advocate for us um, because it's a trusted friend who is bringing people into the community. Mm-hmm. And so those are three, to me, very simple, very powerful ways that you can get involved locally and globally. And then typically how I encourage people to break it down is, you know, for those who involved in local church, be committed um, to that for sure. Find a local organization and one global organization, and then find ways that you can help those organizations move the needle forward in their mission. Fantastic. I think that's 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 awesome. And just prioritizing... Um, in, in your calendar and and, and and kind of allotting allotting that slot for for that giving um, but then also thinking about what what you currently have kind of in your own um, toolbox and, and in terms of the kind of that that the uh, yes. talents gifts passions etc um, and, um, and 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 just being um, I think just being again back to that uh, prioritization and um, and being diligent. Um, and I, you know, for us, uh, for us marketers or for people who are familiar with marketing, it's, it's through that, it's through that word of mouth and just kind yeah. of sharing and just spreading the good news, um, that, that brings uh, a, a lot of good joy and a lot of hope. Yeah. Uh, and you think about word of mouth, right? Your podcast, for example, I mean, almost everyone who listens to this for the most part, someone said, Hey, this is a great podcast. Go check it out. And so it's the word of mouth is powerful. And the key to word of mouth, Tyler, and people, this is like our voices matter, mm-hmm. right? When we advocate, 
for a local church, a nonprofit, a sports team, even like a movie, a song, a podcast. Like our voice really does matter and people do pay attention to it. So when you advocate for things you care about, you know, it's going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just to wrap up, uh, and we're closing in on time here. Um, what are some, some spiritual disciplines that help you stay centered as a leader, um, as a, as a father, uh, and as a husband? Yeah, it's, it's, it's again, I, I'm just really committed to the word intention, right? Like really being intentional and like, I, the world is so busy. We have to get out in front of regret. And I'm always thinking through that, like, what am I going to regret? And if I can understand that now, if I don't spend enough time with my kids, but I build a great nonprofit ministry, I'm going to regret that. And I, yeah. so I got to prioritize my calendar and my kids and they always get first dibs on anything that I'm doing. I want them to see the sacrifice that we make because obviously work is important. And so it doesn't mean first dibs doesn't mean they get whatever they want. But, you know, when they have a need, I'm going to prioritize them over anybody all the time. No questions asked. I think it's just prioritizing what you care about, what you feel God's called you to do. Um, and then being mm-hmm. very intentional. I know for me, uh, I'm trying to take way, I'm trying to take a lot more vacations this year than ever mm-hmm. because I need to slow down and enjoy life. My kids are, you know, we're kind of transitioning from high school to college, and I'm, I only get a few of these moments left. So how do I this year prioritize mm-hmm. being very present with my kids? They come all over the world with me, so we've traveled together, we've had amazing experiences. Oh, wow. um, and then the other thing I will say is. Um, my first 20 or 30 minutes of the morning is just sacred. Like I don't, no matter where I'm at in the world, travel, home, whatever, um, trying to center myself the first 30, 40 minutes of the day, coffee and being really focused on the day, on you know, connecting, making sure that I start every day with a spiritual sense of, of direction and guidance. Mm-hmm. Every day is a day of focus when it comes to God's kingdom. It may seem mundane. Going to work and setting in a cubicle may seem mundane, but it's not. Like if you have intention and you're focused, you're going to meet people who need you to, to, to give them a hug, to high five, to encourage them. And so I try and spend 20, 30 minutes every morning really making sure I'm in the right mindset to engage in what God wants me to do each and every day. Um, and I think that's how you win the battle of being a disciple that makes a difference over mm-hmm. decades and taking it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love, love that final word. And um, it, it, hey, Chris, it's been it's been awesome having you on today and just hearing a bit more about your your journey, but also um, kind of getting diving in a little bit to help one now um, and and how other folks can get involved. Where where can we find you if we want to um, to stay in touch, follow what you're doing, support help one now, or or, yeah. or get a get a copy of your book as you are an author as well? Yeah. So um, the book, obviously, Amazon doing good is simple. You can Google that. Um, and so it's, a, it's just a simple guide on how to make a difference in the world. Very practical. Um, Chris Marlowe and all the different posts, Facebook, Instagram, um, just C-H-R-I-S-M-A-R-L-O-W. I'm sure that'll be in the show notes. But also on helponow.org. Yeah. Everything, you, um, Help One Now, Instagram, Facebook, website. And, um, you know, if you want more information, you can shoot us an email. We'll jump on the phone. We're very relational org. Um, but we would love for people to jump in and help move the needle forward. And together, uh, we have we have the saying, together we build. And it's exactly mm-hmm. how we do it. Um, together we build a better world. Fantastic. Um, thank you. Yeah, and all, all, all those links will be in, in the in the show notes as well. Um, Chris, thanks for, for joining me and the Guys Like Us podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it, man. Good times. <laughs>